So today we're going to look at um, transformation, and that transformation begins in the mind. Okay? So to start us, I want you to take a little time to think about for yourself, what is something about yourself that you wish you could change? Okay? What is something about yourself that you wish you could change? Is it your weight, your height, that's me, your looks, your habits, your laziness, maybe your temper, uh, maybe your inability to trust other people, maybe it's your critical attitude, maybe it's your prayerlessness right now, or your lack of faith. I don't know what it is, but keep that in mind, okay? So here at River Life, we have core values that determine and help us decide where to spend the money that you entrust to us and what to do with our talents and our time. And so one of those core values is actually transformation. We pursue radical life change here at River Life. That is one of our core values. We know that God loves us. He loves us just the way we are. But because he loves us, he wants to transform us. He doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants to transform us so that we become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. So transformation is important to us. And I, I preached this in October of 2014 when we went through all our core values. So a lot of this will be review, but life change is really what I'm all about. Um, I'm a marriage and family therapist because I want to help people make life changes. Uh, so we're going to dive right in. What is transformation? What is transformation? The core verse that we use to go with our core value and that we're going to look at today is found in Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, Paul uses this Greek word for transform in only one other place as he wrote to many letters to the churches, but he only used it in another place, and this is in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, which reads, And we all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so again, we are being transformed. So this word that Paul uses in the Greek, transformation or transformed, is the Greek word metamorpheo. And it comes from the root word meta, which means to go beyond or to change, and morph, which means shape. So mighty morphin power rangers, they they change into another form, right? 
So, really, metamorpho is to change shape. It means to change from one form into another form, so that you can noticeably see that it's changed. Okay, and it describes a noticeable change in appearance. It could be a change in character, condition, or function. And we get our word metamorphosis that we all learned in eighth grade science, right? That the butterfly becomes in, comes into being because this ugly little caterpillar. Sorry, if you like caterpillars, <laughs> I don't. That this wiggly, ugly thing metamorphoses into a beautiful butterfly. Okay, so that's the word that that Paul uses here. The only other time that this word metamorpheo is used is when. The apostles or the disciples were describing what happened to Jesus when he was on the mountain, and Peter, James, and John were with him, and Jesus was transfigured before their eyes, so that they saw Jesus's glory, because in the flesh, Jesus's glory was veiled; it was covered. But for a moment, he was metamorpheo; he was transfigured in front of them. Okay. So you get this idea that Paul is saying, we need to be transformed, and so we're going to look at that. Now, in Romans 12, verse 2, here we see that there's an old form, like the little caterpillar, and then there's a new form, like the butterfly. And what are those two forms? The old form is where Paul says, "Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world." So the old form that we had is that we are shaped or conformed by the world standards, and to conform means you fit yourself into whatever mold they want you to be. You you start living life the way that the world says you should. You start. Thinking and believing the way that the world does, and you agree with them, and you become like them. That's what it means to conform, and that's the old worm or caterpillar form of us. The new form that God wants to transform us into is patterned after God's standards. Paul says at the end of verse two here that when we're transformed, then we will know God's will. We will know how He thinks. We will know what He wants for us. And transformation is going from being like the world and believing what the world believes to knowing God's will and living out God's will for us. Okay, so going from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Now, there's another way that Paul, the the writers of the New Testament use this word, the world. And Greg has taught us this before, so this might be review for some of you. That for the first century Jew, the world meant 
this current age, this present time that we live in, which is under sin and oppression, and looking forward to the new age or the new world when God would usher in his kingdom where God is in control and sin would be defeated and we would live um, not in bondage anymore but in freedom. So Paul is saying here, don't, don't live like you're still in sin and bondage, but live, be transformed as though you're already living in the kingdom of God where God has the victory and you're no longer in bondage. So that's also the new form. And and we looked at earlier in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, that Paul tells us there that we are being transformed into his image, meaning God's image. That's what we are going to be morphed into. Okay? So you got that metamorpheo, to change shape or form. But how does that happen? How does transformation take place? So looking at the verse, we see that Paul says that we need to be transformed. This is a command. It's an imperative. It's do it. Be transformed. However, transformed in the Greek, it's a passive verb. It means it gets done to you. Okay, it's like the caterpillar. The caterpillar really doesn't work to be transformed. It goes into a cocoon, and it stays there in that cocoon, and something happens to it. It gets transformed. So Paul is saying that transformation is a result or a byproduct of something else. And he tells us what that something else is. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's how we're going to see how transformation works, by the renewing of your mind. So let's look at this word, the renewing. What does it mean to renew? To renew has several meanings, and we're going to look at two of them. One meaning is to develop into something that's different, that is new. Okay, so it's a developing thing. To renew is to develop into something new. Um, An example of that would be Ephesians 4, verse 23 to 24, where Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So this sense of... God is going to be developing something new by renewing, okay? So developing something new. Renew, though, can also be defined as to restore, to make like new, right? It's, it's getting older, so now we need to make it new again, to restore. And 
you can restore to freshness, to restore so it has more vigor or energy, or to restore so that it's more perfect, back to perfection. Okay, and we're going to look at how to renew our mind is actually both of those things. Now, what does it mean that it's our mind? Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, what is this mind? The, the mind is the seat of your consciousness. It's where you gain understanding. In essence, it is your thinking power, your mental processes. Okay, it's the mind that thinks and understands. Okay, in the Old Testament, the writers usually use the word heart when they, when they meant both your thinking and feeling. And in a sense, the mind in the New Testament kind of covers parts of the heart. But here Paul is really talking about you've got to renew your thinking, okay? So let me, let me uh, put it together like this. There's this connection between renewal and transformation. And the connection is this. When we start thinking like God, that's the renewing, then our outward behaviors will also change. Okay, so when we start thinking like God does, then our outward behaviors will also change. And that's the transformation. In, in a sense, you cannot beha behave and do what God wants you to do if you still think like a caterpillar if you still think like the world does, if you're still conformed, if the world says you need to do this and this and this to be successful, and you believe them, you really cannot live out God's thinking. Okay? In the same way, you can't continue to live like the world if you now have renewed your thinking. If you now think and believe the way God does, you cannot continue to live the way the world tells you to live. Okay? This is very important because Paul is basically saying that transformation begins in the mind. Transformation starts here in your thinking. And that's what needs to change first. It needs to be renewed first. So, if you don't believe me that transformation begins in the mind, I have a story to tell you. And it's taken straight from the Bible. So we're going to take some time to look at this. Um, it starts from the, in the very beginning, when God first created a man and a woman, and he brought them together, and he put them in his garden, the Garden of Eden, and he told them to take care of the garden, okay? And he, he gave them all the, all the trees in the garden that they could eat. 
but there was one tree in the middle and he told them, do not eat from this tree because when you do, you will die. And so they said, okay, we're not gonna touch that tree, we're not even gonna go near it, we're not gonna eat from it, right? Well, let's see what happens next. So if you have your Bibles, you can look with me or it's on the screen, some parts of it. Genesis 3, verse 1 through 6, okay? Now the serpent was the most crafty, or was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, just a question. I just want to know. Did God really say? Okay. And we see that, that Eve, the woman, answered the serpent, and she did. She said, oh, actually, we, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Okay, so she, she was, this is her thinking. God did tell us. Don't eat it. And I think God told us don't even touch it because we would die if we touch it and eat it, okay? Satan, or the serpent, came back with this. In verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, what just happened here? What is the serpent trying to do here? He never told Eve to eat that forbidden fruit. He didn't tell her to at all. He just helped her to have a new perspective on that fruit. This is the moment where her mind was renewed. In this case, not in a very good way. But she had a new thought. Suddenly, that fruit looked different. It didn't just look different. She had different thoughts about it. And here's what the Bible tells us in verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it. She took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Transformation begins in the mind. If you want to get somebody to change, you've got to change their mind. And that's what Satan knew. Satan knew that if he came and he said to her, hey, you should just eat that, she'd be like, no. God told me not to. Instead, 
he came and he raised questions for her to think about. Are you sure God really said that? Huh. Are you sure you're really going to die if you eat it? How do you know? You've never eaten it. And by the way, are you sure God is really good? Because he's keeping you from something that will make you just like him. Ah, never thought of that. God might not be good. Why is he keeping this from me? And so Genesis verse 6 says, when the woman saw that the fruit, but she was really thinking, right? She had passed by that tree who knows how many hundreds of times. That thought never entered her mind. In that moment, new thoughts about that forbidden fruit entered her mind. And it wasn't very long before she reached out because she believed something new, something different. And guess what? She was transformed. They were transformed from what they were before. Innocent, God-pleasing, trusting God, following God, to rebelling, I want it my way, I'm now disconnected from God. That was a transformation that we didn't want. But it started with the mind. But praise God that's, that that's not where the story ends. In Titus 3, verse 3 through 6, Paul wrote to Titus and he said this. And a couple of the verses will be up there for you. At one time, we too, in case you thought it was only Eve and Adam, at one time, we too were foolish, dishonest, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. There's that word again, renewal. And here we see that the renewal comes from the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at why. why. How does the Holy Spirit bring this renewal? Our minds are renewed by the Spirit because... The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Jesus consistently called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. Why? Because we, and along with Eve and Adam, had believed a lie, and now it will take the truth to renew our minds. Let me read a, a couple verses about the spirit of truth. 
in John 14, Jesus is comforting his disciples before he is about to be crucified. And he said to them, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then a little further on as he's talking to them, in John 16, 13, Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. And we need that because we are still living in the lie. We still believe that that fruit, that forbidden fruit that brings death, looks good, looks like it would be edible, and it's going to make me just like God. We have believed that lie. So we need the truth to renew our minds so that our actions and behaviors can change. So transformation is this. It is radical life change happens when we reject Satan's lies and stop acting on them, those lies, and we believe God's truths and we live them out. That's what transformation is. We reject Satan's lies and we stop acting on those lies and we believe God's truths and we live them out. So at the start of my sermon, I asked you, what's something about yourself that you wish you could change? Right? What's something about yourself you wish you could change? Well, for me, I wish I could change the part of me that cares so much about looks and beauty and clothes and physical things. I wish I could change that. Because, not so deep down, not so deep down and then very deep down in my heart, I have believed the world's lie that a woman's worth is wrapped up in how she looks, what she wears, right? The color of her boob, I mean, I'm sorry, the size of her boobs, the color of her hair. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> let's, let's take a moment to mentally think about that. <laughs> but those things, we, we see it all around us. And that's what it means to be conformed. To be conformed means I spend my time thinking about it. I spend my money trying to control it. I'm insecure. I compare myself. I start comparing Greg to other guys. Right? That's what happens when we conform to the lies. And that's what happens to me when, when I start thinking like the world does to be transformed then is for me to believe God's truth about who I am, about how temporary our bodies are and how the beauty 
is the image of God in us. That's what transformation would look like. And then I would be more comfortable being me, and I wouldn't compare myself to others, and I wouldn't overspend trying to manage my image. That's what transformation would be. Thank goodness, thank God, that transformation is a process. And in this area, I'm still in the cocoon. I'm like, God, please transform me, because I can't do it on my own. And Holy Spirit, you've got to continually tell me the truth, because the world is continually telling me lies. And it's easier to believe the lie. It's easier to believe that I can just take that forbidden fruit. Have, go ahead, you know, spend the money so you'll look better. Go ahead and fill in the blank, okay? I'm in the cocoon, but there's a butterfly that's going to come out on the other side who's free and not in bondage to those sins. So I want you to remember this. Transformation in that area that you wish were different, the thing that you want to change. Transformation begins in the mind by receiving God's truth and rejecting Satan's lies so that you can live out the truth.